Hello and welcome to the ETPHD Mentoring Podcast, the business podcast that will help you grow your business and yourself within a flourishing and healthful life, whatever that looks like for you. Like, share and subscribe to the pod for the ultimate good karma and reach out to us with any questions that you have. The details are in the show notes. And welcome to episode number 21 of the ETPC Mentoring Podcast with myself and Anna. Hi Anna, how are you? Hello, I am good, thank you. How are you? I am well, thank you. I've, I started to say well and I thought, I'm a well, I'm a well, I'm a well. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm fine. I mean, we've obviously just done another podcast where we spoke entirely about how we're feeling and our granularity of that. So we're not going to go into that again. Um, if you want to listen to that, listen to the ETPC podcast. Um, yeah, I am fine. Um, it's sing song bit that's real convincing (laughs) if you sing your feelings it means they're true okay Um, and fine is definitely on that feelings wheel somewhere it's definitely not is it so like i know fine is not helpful because it doesn't answer it doesn't get into the granularity but sometimes you are just fine I feel if we were going to use the feelings wheel, it would be maybe like melancholy. Is that right? What melancholy is definitely onomatopoeia. Mm. Like it sounds like it, it just sounds like it's what it's meant to sound like. Yeah. Oh, melancholy. That's a beautiful word. Let's go with that. I'm so melancholy is a little bit low or is it just a bit? I feel like it's what was it in French like come see come see like oh, yeah that's exactly it come see come see yeah melancholy is a feeling of pensive sadness oh. typically with no obvious cause I'm not feeling a, pe- a feeling of no. I thought it sadness. was that I mean the name's too good but... wait another word for fine feeling feeling fine what is a word for feeling fine I'm good I'm doing well I'm okay they're useless. Useless. Okay, well, there is one. Dandy. There we go. I'm dandy. That's a horrible word. Okay. Shall we just get started on the questions? Do you want to go far? Uh, yes, I only have one today. Ooh, okay. And, I mean, it's a fairly, probably, fairly big discussion. Do you have any stories slash biggest lessons from navigating tough times in business? Mm. stories slash lessons I'm trying to think of my toughest times with business my toughest times with business have probably been when I've had personal things going on and I've tried to navigate business at the same time um it's funny right because I think that you could like when like your impact goes down or when your numbers go down or your income goes down and you're like, oh, this is just a hard month or a hard few months or something like that. At the time you think this is your hard, these are the tough parts of business and, and that is tough for sure, right? But I think over time, you start to get more comfortable with those fluctuations over time, just like the scale weight, you notice that go up and down before it comes down, right? If you're on a fat loss journey, you start to get a little bit more comfortable with those fluctuations sometimes as long as it's going in the right direction on the whole. And they become less of, they're less of your hardest times. And then I, I was, 
on TikTok last week and so he had posted a picture of her crying she's like and it was like I think she had a picture of her being all sassy like on a shoot like what what I feel when I say I'm a business owner and then the picture was her crying and it's like the reality of being a business owner and at the time I, I was I was feeling like crappy at the time and it was it, and it it was just that I was going through a phase of feeling like I cannot get on top of things I cannot I'm working so hard and I'm being eaten alive by the stuff behind the scenes for me the toughest part is not clients not mentoring not the stuff that people see the toughest part for me is the stuff that people don't see that you have to navigate and you almost feel like no one understands that weight or that pressure of like if this doesn't work what does this mean or I cannot seem to solve this problem or I've been saying I'm going to do this for a year why have I still not resolved it yet and then you combine that with a hard time in your personal life which I'm not saying at that point was for me but I'm just saying in general you combine that like 2020 for me when I was crying replying to a check-in which is not okay like it's you just can sometimes feel really alone in it and the pressure can just feel a hell of a lot and I think so I think for me that those are the toughest times like the kind of feeling like the whole world is on your shoulders and not being quite sure how to get out of that feeling financially you can be like okay well these are the ways that and this is this is where I can focus my energy I can do more stuff like here I can reach out to people I can do x y and z and it's stuff that you don't quite know what the answer is yet and you're kind of dipping your toe into different things and like with us like I might say have a few suggestions to you and then I never talk about it again or like we we do progress on one thing and I'm really really lucky that we've got the team at ETPHD but let's also not get twisted like I try and take on and it's my job to take on like a like more because that's my job right and I want to do that but the more people you work with too the bigger that pressure feels and I imagine it's similar if you have a family or or dependent that you're trying to support there's like an additional pressure there that you have to continue to do it even when you're like stuck you're like I'm just I don't I'm stuck and Honestly, for me, one of the best things that's come out of this year is the ETPHD mentoring crew. Um, I think that we're so lucky to have a group of coaches that we work with who understand that and all we're such a collaborative space. There's no comparison or competition between us. And, and, and you know, selfishly for me, that brings me a lot of joy. And if I want to offload in the group, I can. I don't often. I don't think it's always appropriate, but like, um, we're so lucky that we have that and I really value that community because with business stuff you can really feel like you're on your own and especially if like your family and friends are not self-employed or not in the industry which most of them are not going to be there's only so much of a level that they can understand I'm really lucky that my mum's a business owner it's, it's not she's in the arts right so it's nothing to do with what I do but she's taught me some of the biggest things with business and that whenever I stay with her I'm like oh this is it's totally fine to be like I'm gonna lose all my hair like this is fine it's quite normal um so I think that I think for me that's what I would say I don't know where you're at with it I completely agree in having that space where you can vent and ask questions and be like 
why do my clients hate me? Why are they all leaving or whatever, whatever that is that we all know and feel, but for so long haven't had, right? When you are self-employed, you don't have that space to, to go to. Um, and I think that for like one of the biggest lessons for me has been like, talking, sharing, but getting out of your own head about these things. Because when you're going through something, whatever, whether it's business or personal that may be affecting your business, right, that's when it just snowballs until you actually go, you know, do you know what? I'm going through a really crappy time right now and and just talking it through. Or even if there's nobody that can offer any advice or help, just knowing that there's that support there as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, and yeah, I think the support thing is, is crucial. And sometimes as a business owner you're like oh but it's my business and you have like micromanaging tendencies as a whole and then you have this like feeling like you have to be on top of things and you don't want to seem weak or you don't want to seem like you're doing something wrong you don't seem like you don't have your shit together and that impacts how vulnerable you can be with people but as long as you've got those core people where it's like this is what's going on and I don't actually feel like I've got any of my shit together. My ducks are not in a row. I think that helps a lot because your ducks will be in a row again at some point. It's just that maybe right now they're running around flapping away. The ducks flap. Yeah, and they, yeah, they fly, remember, as well. <laughs> you don't know that story. You don't need to know that story. We continue on. Um, okay. I always seem to have a list of things to do. However, I don't tend to actually have a plan of action in place for my workday and week. I just tend to do the tasks that I feel most motivated to do at the time, which don't always happen to be the ones that I need to get done first. I have also been finding I am avoiding the tasks I find less interesting or a bit overwhelming as I don't really know where to start. I was wondering if there is a particular way you set up and prioritise and work through your to-do list that you find helpful. Do you tend to have an action plan for your day? And if so, what does this tend to involve? I like that. I mean, very very self-aware with the the procrastination on certain things. I mean, that's just human at times, isn't it? Um, But yeah, I think you have to keep yourself accountable to, like, I know we talk about having that acceptance that you're not going to get through your to-do list and there's always going to be stuff to do but equally you do need to keep yourself accountable to doing what you actually need to do even if you don't really want to and for me it's been really helpful to understand how I work and the rhythm I guess that I work in in that I know that I'm most focused in the morning. So that's when I do my client check-ins and the like early afternoon is, there's still some concentration there. So it might be the admin tasks. And then by the evening it's creative because I can't speak to anybody. <laughs> I'm not gonna, not gonna make any sense and there'll be typos and all sorts. So yeah, that's that's how I structure my day. And then when there's tasks that I just don't wanna do, it is a case of just getting them done first and foremost. Mm. I, I'm similar. I mean, I do admin in the nighttime with friends or something on that was low, requires low attention. But um, 
will help me get through my admin. Um, I find the time difference here hard because social media posting time is 11 a.m. for me and all my calls are in the morning and I like to use my brain power in the morning. So I'm always late posting because obviously I don't have posts in advance because who am I? I'm not an animal. Um, and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's 6 p.m. and I haven't got any ideas, um, which is just very unhelpful for me and very unproductive. I think um, I agree. I think so this person is wondering slash going through diagnosis for ADHD and so there is for sure an element of focusing on the ones that you want to do and letting go of the things that you don't want to do um, or letting them pass and that's obviously not helpful because with this work you're going to always with any work you're always going to have to do stuff that you don't want to do and if it were me and there were things I knew that I kept avoiding and I did I spoke to someone else that I work with about this actually recently we said okay well the first hour of your day is going to be doing all the stuff that you hate and just getting it done and then it's done for the day and then you can focus on the stuff that you love and it's just a non-negotiable now that is the first hour of your day it's blocked out in your diary that's what it is um because you you will not survive if you keep putting off the things that you don't want to do like your business will not survive so how are you going to make it happen if your brain power is best in the morning then let's do that and also if it is an adhd thing creating a little bit of a reward for doing that um the knocking it off your to-do list is going to be a bit of a a little bit of a dopamine high of ticking that off but can you do the first morning of your day on that and then your reward for that is like I don't know if you're an animal training or your reward for that is going out and like getting a walk down the beach or going for your favorite coffee or what is that reward in response to doing that thing I think that's also really important um I don't know if you find this but obviously this person's working with me right so if you don't get the stuff done before our call then you, then you're kind of wasting your own time because you're going to have to do that again for the next call. So I definitely find people, and this person is achieving things and doing things, by the way. But I th- so I think that people having that accountability of speaking to me or speaking to you, a lot of the time the work that you I set in a in a, a one call is done like two days before our next call. I was going to say like the night before. <laughs> yeah, because you've got that accountability, and then there's nothing wrong with that either. Like that's part of why mentoring is so important is that you have that accountability to get stuff done. Otherwise you can find yourself just like you're um, spinning your wheels. Is that the right phrase? I think it is. Yeah. I, but I would also say like, what about you? I don't love to over-organize my day. I have like all my calls and stuff fully organized, obviously scheduled in, but I don't, and I, and I know roughly when I do certain things, more so when I'm in the UK, um, but I don't love to be like, okay, 4 p.m. every day is this time for this. For If you're trying to build up like a, a habit, so if you're like trying to get into the habit of posting on social media every day and you post at five, I actually think saying, okay, four till five every day is my social media time because then you don't have time to piss around to spend more than an hour on a post. You just have to get it done then and there. Um, so I think in those situations that can be help, quite helpful. But once you're in a routine of doing things, personally I don't find being super micromanaged with your time helpful because it can create that all or nothing mentality and if you're not on track then you're like oh I may as well not do anything which we obviously don't love in any sense of the word yeah I (laughs) I looked at the what is it the productivity method the Grace Beverly like uh planner thing and I was like do what do I need that because don't get me wrong, there, there are some times I'm like, you're faffing about, hold yourself accountable. But like you said, I don't, I have like the rough times that I do stuff. But 
I quite like the idea that I could just move a time block like this morning instead of doing a couple of client check-ins. I knew that my, my focus wasn't there. So they switched because I needed to get outside and get some fresh air and then came back and like got them done in like 40 minutes. Whereas I'd have probably spent a couple of hours on them had I not done that. Mm, totally. Okay. How do you start a follow-up conversation with potential leads without coming off as inauthentic and salesy or just a friend making small talk? I keep it really casual and friendly (laughs) and just wanted to check in and see how things are going since we last spoke did a podcast and thought (laughs) that sounds a bit creepy doesn't it did a podcast and thought of you but thought it might help you with what we spoke about last time or like just a little bit of like people like you reaching out and knowing that you're still there and supporting or adding value in some way yeah it doesn't cross sleazy unless you're a sleazy type of person and I don't think anybody here is (laughs) yeah I agree I think like like if someone I I always relate this back to like the skincare conversation if someone messaged me and was like I saw you like my post on hyaluronic acid um I actually did a whole podcast on the best ways to support 30 something skin here you go I would be like you absolute legend thank you so much and then if they message me again saying like oh how do you want me that I'd be like oh yeah it was really really helpful and they say this is actually what I do in like my skin clinic do you want to book a call and like chat about it one I could easily be bought into that <laughs> I'd be like I, I would respect the fact that they're a business not everyone is the same right I say this as a business owner like not everyone's going to be like that but it's not creepy or salesy think about your conversations as connections people can tell if you're coming from a scarce place if you're like oh my god I need this client like I I need to sign this person up they can tell and that's when you're coming across inauthentic and salesy but if you're like uh, Seth Godin talks a lot about the connection economy and I love that idea of you you have an impact and you make money through connection so think of your conversations as genuine connection you can then like the way that I'll do it is I'll set myself a limit of like a couple of messages I'll give a little bit of free advice they'll say something back and then I'll be like oh this is exactly what we do in our in our coaching um what's a good whatsapp number for you and I'll drop you a message or Anna will drop you a message for example and then I know that like if it was you you would then message them you would send them a voice note it would be chill it would be authentic and that's not salesy or weird but salesy is not a bad phrase but again only like that is still making sales it's just not coming across as I need you to be a client and that's the only reason I'm messaging you people don't think that the only reason I'm helping them is because I want to make money from them because that's actually not true I'm helping as many people as I can whilst at the same time knowing that my service and our service at ETPHD will further help them so it's not salesy for me to be like someone's binge eating regularly and I know that like Ros and Becca have the best service in the country for people who have binge eating disorder. Like, I'm happy to be like, this is what this will help you so much. That's not salesy; it's authentic. So, same with like supporting fitness professionals. I know that you're the best person in the country for that. So that's who I'm going to send. Like, it just it it when you have faith in your product, which I know this person does have faith in her product. 
think about all your conversations as like building connection. And then if you're very clear on your grid page and your stories about results, 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 this is my method, this is how to apply, this is the type of work that we do consistently, then these same people are going to see, oh, she's given me free value, I feel connected to her, oh, and look, she's taken on clients to do exactly this, then I can apply. It doesn't have to be all in one script. Scripts will always come across as inauthentic. That's why I've never given anyone a a sales script. I don't believe in them. Um, I think also they they can pressure people into signing up with you and they're not the types of people that are going to provide you with the best results, that are going to provide you with the most joy, that you're going to have the most impact on. They're just going to be people that have kind of been swayed into doing something. Okay. Ways to help counteract the rubbish feelings that come with getting hardly any engagement on social media. It's like shouting into a void. I try not to let it get to me, but it definitely does, and I can feel quite down about it. So we actually spoke about this on the team meeting earlier because apparently it's quite quite good to know, I'm not going to lie, that I'm not the only person that Instagram seems to hate at the moment. <laughs> um, but but that that's the thing. Like I, you can be doing everything quote unquote right and showing up regularly and for whatever reason like particularly let's be honest at this time of year people are maybe on social media less because they've got loads of Christmas stuff on or family visiting friends all all of these sorts of things so I think like getting out of your head and going yeah do you know what if I wasn't a business person and had to use social media would I like can I understand this from a different person's perspective is really helpful but equally like it is I was gonna say hurtful I don't know I don't yeah I'm gonna go with that when you put a lot of time and effort and care into what you put out there but I always think like people are still going to be seeing it they might not be engaging right now but they might be very new to learning who I am who we are and just lurking in the background but if they continue to see my posts which means I'll have to continually show it up then maybe they'll get the confidence and reach out or ask me something and that for me is what it's all about so taking that pressure off needing all the engagement and hiding likes and all of this sort of stuff and yeah just just doing what we need to do for business yeah like I kind of just I suppose summarize like don't take it so personally and I, I know that's easier said than done but it's it's business process it's information it's problems it's not you it's it, I mean yes look at it and reflect and think am I speaking to the right people am I engaging I had a conversation with someone the other day who who works with us and we'd kind of touched on this a few times before but like she was like I was looking at my content I was like it's not very fun it's not really funny because like it's, it's a bit boring and I was like like I wouldn't say her content was boring but you know I think when you move especially more into a relationship with food stuff from fat loss you can get quite serious and I definitely did this for a long time and I used to be like you can't make binge eating funny it's not funny and of course it's not funny 
but you can definitely bring humor and joy into your content like it like I honestly do think and I'm not saying this person by the way I'm not saying your content is boring but in general like look at look at your last everyone look at your last nine posts on Instagram is there any joy fun humor in there if there's not bring it in I'm sorry but like nobody cares about boring informative stuff they don't it sometimes it needs to be there for sure and look I've got tons of boring informative stuff on my page um and right now there's probably not a lot of humor on there but you like you need to have that balance but that's not that's kind of a side note to this question um I think yes don't take it personally but you know what if you're not getting engagement then go out and seek it are you engaging with like are you engaging with hashtags messaging these people giving them free support or are you just waiting for people to engage with you because honestly until you start reaching out to people for engagement once you start doing that and getting some engagement back then it will drive you to do it more and then you'll see that you get this reciprocal increase in engagement but just posting asking for people to message you all the time it's not going to that's not the way to get engagement and I mean it's helpful for sure but what else are you doing on top to engage with other people to connect with other people I think really focus on that whilst of course like you said not taking it so personally um I remember speaking to someone um at IFS once who has a big social media following and he was like it's just a game he was like I just see social media as a game and those numbers going up and I'm like yep I'm winning at this game and that's all it is and his entire business was built well from what I know from social media like he relies on it for his income um but he still was just kind of like it's still it's still a numbers game and I was like yeah I quite like that like just just, you're not taking it too seriously and also this is a nice reminder not to spend hours on a bloody social media post like if no one's going to see it why are you spending two hours on it again this is not this person (laughs) I'm just saying this from like conversations I've had in like the last couple of weeks um more people don't see it the more time you spend on a post just remember that sometimes your best posts will be ones that took you five minutes to do and it's just an opinion um and sometimes your worst ones will be ones that you spent two hours on so don't spend two hours on them just on the like fun engaging side of things when I was really on it last year (laughs) oh I remember that time (laughs) uh the the best thing is like the tactical scrolling time and find the the reels that are continually coming up or the same audios and then it's like okay well how can I make it work for my audience like because that that audio or that kind style template of reel is obviously popular so you it is going to get more views more reach and then yeah consider how can I work make it work for my clients I agree and I'm really sorry I yawned in your face here it's not you I didn't have a great sleep last night I'm used to it <laughs> it's so rude when someone yawns when you're talking I'm really sorry you know when you try and hide it and your nose starts <laughs> you're like <laughs> I didn't I didn't even give you the dignity of doing that sorry just yawned right in your face <laughs> okay moving on I'm tired <laughs> okay um have you got any tips for getting better at telling a client journey for social proof I find mine are so clunky 
is there a format you follow? I I think the ones that have landed the best for me have been the storytelling ones. In starting with and not not necessarily kind of this is the starting point, but starting with something that people are going to relate to. And then they have to read through and then and, and it doesn't necessarily look like a client post either. Uh, and then at the end, it's like, whoever did this amazing job and then you're like, I can help you too. Yeah. I mean, look, you need to, you need, the best way to describe this is put a transformation picture into words. Um, people need to see one, the start point. Where did they start? Two, is that somewhere that they are starting? Because if they can't relate to this person starting, then they're not going to read to the rest. So where, where does this person start? And or what did this person achieve? It needs to have a hook. Putting out like a big paragraph on one page, no one's going to look at it. It needs to have a really, really clear hook. Like the one I've got pinned at the moment is like, my client lost 10 pounds in a month without dieting. Here's five things that she did or whatever, right? Um, People are like, oh, I want to lose five pounds, 10 pounds without dieting. What did she do? And then you read, you read through it. So think about like a clear hook, which is, I'm sorry, like, yes, it's really important that people can eat, leave chocolate in the fridge and not eat it all. And we've had, you know, client conversations and journeys that start off with like, you know, I'm no longer eating the entire jar of peanut butter. Like that's really important. But think of the, think of the biggest hitter you can find. Don't start with something general like body image. No one gives a shit. But people do care if they're like, this person hadn't had sex with her partner for six months because she hated the way she what her body looked. Yesterday, she had the best orgasm of her life. Here's five things that we did. To me, people are going to be way more interested in that than being like, this person found peace with their body. This person proved their body image. Like, all of these things are things I've done. Okay, so this is not criticism. It's just from, like, you need to think about what does the person want to hear and how am I hooking them in with that? And honestly, if you can add humor, if you can add personality, if you can add a personal relationship with that person, huge selling point. People want to know that you're they're working with you. A big selling point for you who's asked this question is that you've got a great personality and you are working directly with these people. I'll say something like, one, my last, last one I did, there was a Taylor Swift reference in every single slide because we always talk about Taylor Swift. She also got my pre-sale Taylor Swift tickets. Like, so that's our personal relationship. And I think that, that highlights how much you care about your clients when you include some, something like that in there. Don't make it really long. Don't overcomplicate it. Do give an idea of where they start, where they finish and the steps that you took to get there potentially any barriers that they had maybe things that they've done before this person lost 10 pounds in a month without dieting despite having done weight watchers for the last 10 years again people are like oh I've done weight watchers for the last 10 years what's different about this think about speaking to that specific person um and then I think try different things like what relates like we've tried so many different ways of sharing what we do um some have worked really well some haven't we're about to try something new um 
and actually something we were speaking about on our meeting this morning or before our last podcast was um so something I'm going to be doing is putting the ETPHD results on my page in my words because if you're putting something on your social media page that's incongruent to everything else that you do people don't like it and they switch off the algorithm doesn't like it so before, in the past we might have done collab posts where you know Anna and you, you might have put a client result together and then shared it with me but it's not in my words and people don't really get it and it doesn't do so well so if you're doing a client result make sure it fits in with your overall messaging you're not doing a result like like I necessarily would or like someone else necessarily would look at your overall page like I might do a client result that's like got loads of like sex metaphors in it and like funny and like it could be a real because that fits in with my page I haven't quite done that yet so <laughs> give me time um but just try and think a little bit outside of the box and bring it in that way it's try and make it as as least boring and as most inspirational as you can I think whenever I put out a client post I'm like how is this inspiring other people? And I say that to the people whose stories I'm using. I'm like, your story will inspire people. If it doesn't, I've messed up somewhere because I've made it sound boring. And it's not boring. Their Our client journeys are not, they're anything but boring. What they do is they change their entire lives. If I'm not articulating that properly, then that's a me problem. Sometimes you hold yourself back because you're like, oh, I'm boasting about my coaching. No, no, you're boasting about the client. And you're just talking about the journey that they've been on with your support. Okay. Let's do one more question. This was a voice note question that came into the podcast. Um, okay. Online, etc. A lot of coaches and people pride themselves in never stopping learning. At what point, or do you have any examples do you get to the point where you think I logically need to learn more versus I need to do more? I've added a little bit on the end, but you know what I mean. Um, like we, because we spoke about this, was it on the last last recording in how like obviously well we've not had kind of specific education courses on relationship with food and body image it's been research and reading and I mean we we did one on somatics last year but <sighs> maybe this is me being completely ignorant <laughs> because it's been it's been more not necessarily I feel like I need to learn but it's okay I want to do this because it's interesting to me and it will support my clients but not necessarily I need to learn more yeah that's the thing like are, is what you're learning going to impact your service or is it just going to impact your ego of wanting to learn more and you've kind of highlighted people online that are saying they never stop learning well good for them like I know some of the smartest people I know I would never go to for coaching ever some of the best coaches I know are not the most educated like I, I, it's there's a baseline level of yes have this knowledge but then beyond that it's like no no I want to know about your experience and I think probably the key is is learning more taken away from your coaching and your experience and the time that you're putting into your business if so then why are you doing it why are you not building up your business first with a baseline level of knowledge and then thinking okay my the people that I work with keep asking me about PCOS 
I seem to have like a large number of people with PCOS. Do I feel like I can fully support them? Do I feel like there's more that I could learn there? Probably. Okay, I'm going to go out and find a PCOS course that's that's specifically focused on applying that to people. That's how to take your learning. Not, hmm, I'd love to know more about biomechanics. I'm going to go and do that. Like for sure do that, right? But not at the expense of your business or your current coaching practices. Um, there's no like there's no specific fine line with it, obviously. Um, but I think that's probably how I would take it. Honestly, most people probably as well. Most people listen to this podcast because you're probably all great coaches because you know <laughs> that's who we bring in. Um, honestly, you probably need to do more and not learn more. Not not learn more, but you probably need to do more before learning more. Ninety five percent of people that are listening to this. Um, and the only reason you're trying to learn more is to procrastinate from doing the hard work this is the thing too right if you're someone who's quite educated you're like you kind of can you don't necessarily acknowledge how absolutely tough and hard it is to post on social media every day sometimes to run a business to do admin to to stay on top of things that's really really hard and just because I've got a PhD doesn't mean that stuff's not hard you know, and I think sometimes you, you're like, oh, I need to go and do this or I need to do that. You're procrastinating from the stuff that you don't want to do and the stuff that's actually hard. Um, and so stop procrastinating and just do the stuff that you need to do. It doesn't matter how much you learn. If you don't put this time into your business, you're never. it's irrelevant learning. It's completely irrelevant and you're wasting your time. And I say that again as someone who used to be a university lecturer. What I will say is having somewhere like EIQ grads or lift the bar where there are not not courses but just like the the monthly webinars with a uh, guest lecturer or like lift the bar are constantly adding resources and I wouldn't like some of the resources and some of the the um webinars have been stuff that's completely new to me but some of it is just like okay, this is a different way of looking at what I already know, but I can use it and it's going to be great rather than like, oh my God, I need to learn more. Totally agree. Okay, we're going to leave it there, mostly because I really need to pee. Sorry, everyone. Um, thank you so much for your questions. Please do keep them coming in. Also, if you want to voice note any questions at this point, feel free to voice note some more questions and send them in. But obviously people that work with us, come on now. Get them over. Um, thank you so much, Anna. Thanks. Bye.